Um, let's open our Bibles, 1 John chapter 3. <clears throat> and we are going to pick it up where we, kind of where we left off. We actually, Patrick did the next section after the one I did last week, and so we're going to um, jump to where we will be. First uh, John chapter 3, the, the subject kind of is that, you know, we're children of God and, and uh, we're born again into the family of God. Our, our, our lives change, and, and Paul said it in Galatians, we're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. I like what Jim was praying this morning about, you know, it's the name of Jesus that, that makes all the difference. And, you know, I, like I was praying a minute ago, you know, the, the, the uncertainty and what's going on in our world today, um, we need to hold on to Jesus more than ever before. And we need to know that, you know, Jesus said, you know, when you see all these things begin to happen, what did he say? He said, look up for your redemption draws near. Don't look around and get, you know, we, we, we do, we look around and we get completely freaked out by, uh, you know, what's going on. We need to look up. It doesn't mean we, we don't pay any attention to it because, uh, you know, it talks about looking at the signs and, and looking, you know, knowing what's going on in the world. But it's, very, it's a very uncertain, unstable time right now. But Jesus never changes. And this is a time for our faith to be, you know, anchored to the rock so that when those storms come, you know, we're, we're not going to get, you know, smashed to pieces. So Jesus <clears throat> is the answer for, for all of us. And, and we're born into the family through our faith in Jesus Christ. He died to take away our sins. We, we saw that last time. But because of that, and as we are his his children, the children of God, we're called to be different. We're called to live differently. And, and I can't stress this enough. We're called to live pure and holy lives, not just do everything and anything that the world says is okay. Now, that's not perfection. It doesn't mean that we're going to live perfect lives. But he's given us, <clears throat> he's given us that avenue of, of repentance. And, and when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. John said that earlier in, in chapter 1. But if we truly are His, it will affect our lives. He says if we have seen Him or if we know Him, it will affect our lives. You see, we can't, we can't be a child of God and live like a child of the devil. You can't do both. It doesn't work. One of the things that he mentions there, if you look in uh, verse uh, let's see here, what verse was that? Last part of verse 10, he says, he talks there about loving his brother. One of the things that we're going to look at now in, in, uh, <clears throat> in the verses Patrick also talked about is that love is part of this picture of how we're supposed to be living. And Patrick uh, gave a title to verses 11 through 15 where we choose love, not hate where it's a choice that we make. It's not just a feeling. In John chapter 13, it's a lifestyle. In John chapter 13, uh, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. It's a command. And as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if 
you love one another. So there's this, this love that Jesus is talking about, and John is going to kind of say almost exactly the same thing here in uh, the, the verses we're going to look at. But he says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Not if you, you know, get along with everybody in the world, but if you have love, this, this love that we're going to look at today. Now, you all know this, but um, where is it? This isn't it. Where did it go? I put it in there. It's gone. I had this really cool picture, and there it is. <laughs> Valentine's Day tomorrow, right? <clears throat> You're all ready for it. That's what true love is all about, right? Valentine's Day. True love. Wasn't that part of that movie, uh, something about true love? Princess Bride. Princess Bride. I, I, that's it. I was going to try to find that clip where he says, true love, with an accent. But let's jump down to verse 16, because Patrick looked at verses 11 through 15, how you know, love is a lifestyle, and it's, a, it's another proof of our salvation. But here in verse 16, he, he begins to define this love that we're talking about here. And it's not necessarily, you know, roses or hearts. It's not necessarily, you know, what you and I think about in terms of Valentine's Day. Oh, I really love you. This kind of a sappy kind of a emotional thing. You know, <clears throat> the truth of the matter is most of the love that, that we talk about or that we call love, is very selfish. And I love you because of what you can do for me. That's, that's, that's kind of how we are. That's as human beings. You know, it's very, we're kind of, we're sinful, let's face it. And it's, it's like that. But, but the, the love that he's talking about here and the love that Jesus talked about, it, it's way bigger, way deeper, and it's way more radical than that. And again, that's what he's calling us to, the kind of love that he's calling us to. But look at verse 16. What does it say there? This is how we know what love is. And that word love, as, you, as you, um, some of you know, is the word agape love. This is how we know. How do we know? Oh, it's because I sent you a, a Valentine's card. That's how you know that I love you, right? No, he says Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. This is how we know. Jesus Christ, who we've already been talking about, it says he laid down his life for us. That's the standard. That is the example that Jesus Christ laid down his life. He said, he said it in John chapter 10. And again, uh, John the Apostle was with Jesus when he said all these things, and then he saw all that happened at the cross. He saw you know, everything that led up to the cross. But Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd does what? He lays down his life for the sheep. He lays it down. He lays down his life for the sheep. He said it in John 15. He said, greater love has no one than this than that he lay down his life for his friends. This is what, what John's talking about here. This is what Jesus was talking about. That Jesus, he laid down his life. He gave up his life. He died, in other words. He died. 
This is the kind of love that we're talking about here. That's what true agape love is. It's an unselfish, other-centered, self-sacrificing love. Now, does that sound like us? Hello? Is that, is that what you sense in your own life? Unselfish, other-centered, self-sacrificing love. Yeah, that's me all over. Well, most of us, if we're honest, we'd say, well, that's not exactly what, it's not exactly what's coming out of my life. But yet, that's what he called us to. Isn't that what it says here in verse 16? And we, Jesus Christ, laid down his life for us, for others, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. We ought to do the same thing. That's what he's calling us to do, and it's a command. We, we already read that. It's a command. Say, I'm done listening to you. I'm going to go home now. I've got to get that food ready for the, for the big game. Big, big house. Do you think they're going to have football there? No. No. <laughs> no, you don't know. No football in heaven? Oh, boy. We're going to start a battle in here now. Let's get something going on. You know, when, when, Jesus, um, <clears throat> when Jesus washed the disciples' feet in John chapter 13, I mean, that was kind of radical. You talk about somebody laying their lives down. Uh, this is before he died. But he took the, the low place, and he did the low job, and he washed their feet. After he did that, he said this. He said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, if I've done this, you also should wash one another's feet. He said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And that's what John is saying here as well. We ought to lay down our lives just like Jesus Christ laid down his life. Jesus said, said, I set you an example for you to do this. Now, I'm not saying I've got this all you know, figured out or anything. In fact, the, the, the truth is this is not an easy thing, is it? To give up myself for someone else, for you, for someone uh, your brother or your sister to do something for someone else is not our normal pattern. We're looking out for who? Numero uno. And that is not you. It's not an easy thing at all. In fact, Peter said this. Um, why is my slides all messed up? I think... I think I put that Valentine's thing in the wrong place. He said, Peter said this, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. What does it say there? Christ suffered. It was not an easy thing that he did, but he left us that example, and it's not an easy thing for you and I. We have to kind of beat our own flesh down to actually love somebody else because we don't want to. I want what I want. I want to take care of me. This is the reality of this, uh, folks. 
This is the truth of it. You know, uh, earlier, Peter wrote this. I just told you that's 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, but earlier, before Peter kind of had a radical change in his, in his life, Peter said to Jesus, he said, I will lay down my life for your sake or for you. I will lay down my life for you. He, you know, he's full of all this bravado. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to lay down my life for you. How did that work out? Jesus told him when he said those words, he said, you're going to disown me three times. And guess what he did? But something happened between then, right? And when, when Peter said, you know, this is the example that we are called to follow. And it might include some kind of suffering. It might include some kind of, you know, change, some kind of thing that we need to set aside. I read this kind of a cute little story about this family where, where the dad, they would, they would go out every week to see a movie or some kind of, you know, uh, activity. And, and when they came home, they would, they would make a fire in the fireplace and eat popcorn. And so... <clears throat> One of those evenings, the, the son, his name was Billy, he made a real pest of himself, it says, in the car on the way home. So he was punished by being sent to his room while everybody else got to be by the fire and eat the popcorn. It says after the, fire had the, after the family had the fire going and the popcorn ready, the dad went back to Billy's room and said, You go out with the others. I'll stay here and take your punishment. Through Michael's action or the dad's actions, the the entire family saw an example of what Jesus did for everyone. He said, you go out and I'll, I'll stay here and take your punishment. What are we willing to do for somebody else? What is it that we're willing to lay down, you know, we, we all have our agendas. We all have our, you know, plans. Well, this is the way it's all going to work. And we have to say, stop, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, something breaks into what I have planned. And then, you know, somebody says, well, I need this. And, and you know, I'm in a real bad way here. What, are you going to stop and say, wait a minute, forget what I want right now. And, and let me think about what the other person needs. It's not natural. It's not normal for us. What about what Jesus said to husbands? This is very convicting. Husbands, love your wives, agape, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, we're called to lay down our lives for our wives, but I thought I was, you know, the head honcho. I thought I was the, you know, uh, I thought it was all around me and what I want and what, you know, that's not what it says. That's not what the scripture teaches us. John Corson, uh, talking about like relationships and problems between people, he said this very simply, someone has to die. Someone has to die. Isn't that true? Someone has to say, you know what, I'm going to give up me and what I want and say, I'm sorry, or what can I do for you? Someone has to die. There's a, there's a sense of self-sacrifice in, in this true agape love, this agape love that you and I are called to. 
Someone has to die. Again, that verse in, in uh, John 15 where, you know, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Well, how did he love us? He sacrificed himself. He was always serving others. He was always doing for others. And then he, he gave himself up. He gave his life. He died for you and for me. So how does that kind of work out in real life? It doesn't necessarily mean that you and I are going to like be, you know, be, be dead physically, right? It may get to that in certain circumstances, in certain cases or whatever, but how does it really work out on a day-to-day basis? Because if we can't apply it to our lives, what, what good is it? You know, we're going to walk out of here singing the Beatles, love, 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 and not do anything, right? All you need is love. I know all those songs. Don't start singing them in your head right now, okay? David Guzik said this. He says, question, in one great, dramatic, heroic gesture... He said, for most of us, God calls us to lay down our lives piece by piece, little by little, in small but important ways every day. Not just this one big thing I did for you and now I'm done. Not just, you know, I'm, I'm, you know I gave my life for you that one time and it was so big I'm never going to do it. No, it's piece by piece, little by little, every day where we, you know, where we give our lives up, we give to others and not just caring about ourselves. Look at verse 17. He says, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? If anyone has material possessions... Do we have material possessions? We have so much material possessions. Why do you think? Why do you think that the, the storage unit business is like booming? Because we got so much stuff, we, we, we can't even fit it in our houses. It's embarrassing. And yet they're still building more and more storage units because we got so much stuff. Material possessions. We are richer. The truth of the matter is uh, here in America, all of us, and I include everyone in our country, we are richer than most. And I don't know what the percentage, I couldn't find a, a, an accurate percentage, than the rest of the world though. Whether it's 75% or 90%, we have more. We are richer. We have more possessions than most of the rest of the world. I mean, there are, you know, huge numbers of the population that don't have electricity in their houses. They don't have running water in their houses. Maybe some of you have been to those places. You know, I was talking about this. I don't know why it came up, but I was talking with with Avi about this, and I said that to her. And you know what she said, her answer? She's 11, yet we still complain. I go, oh, are you talking about me? He says, you know, we, if anyone has, and we do, 
So we can't even say, well, I don't have enough. I don't have anything. We do. And he says, if, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity, how can the love of God, this agape, really be in him? It's, it's not. It's just not there. Who are we trying to kid? We're kidding ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. But the truth is that we have to open our eyes to see if somebody's in need. We're usually so focused on our own thing, we're, we don't, we're not even looking to see somebody in need. This word for pity here in this translation, uh, one, says, one translation says no compassion. Another one says that he closes his heart against another. But the literal uh, meaning of it is, is like in the guts. The very, you know, in your guts, in the inner organs where you, have, you, you don't feel nothing for anybody else. Only for yourself. How can the love of God be in him? How, how can God's kind of love, the, this agape love, be living, be abiding in him? It's just not. James, the brother, the half-brother of Jesus, said, what, it, what good is it? He's talking about faith here, but he says, What good is it if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm. Well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? What good is the faith? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You see... It's not just the words that we say. And and look at verse uh, 18. This is what he says here. John talks about in verse 18. He said, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Let let it be something that is, is true with actions and in truth. Not just talk. Not just saying words. You know, you know what they say about that. <clears throat> I could uh, get myself all twisted up here. <clears throat> that we should that we should walk the talk. Do we just talk the talk, or do we actually walk the walk? Do we actually do? Actions that, that actually prove this kind of thing. I think, I think wives know this. If they, if they know that their husband actually does love their wives, does lay his life down for you know, his wife. The truth of the matter is, and I've been kind of saying this, is that we really can't do it without God's help. The fruit of the Spirit, what is the very first fruit of the Spirit? It's love. It's agape. And, and, and in uh, Romans chapter 5, it says, God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. We are so dependent. We, we need to understand, I can't do this. It's okay to say, I can't do it. So God, you, by your Holy Spirit, use me, help me, lead me, guide me to, to do and to Walk the talk, not just to talk about it, not just words. What they say, words are cheap. 
but actions, actually doing something. Or somebody has, has actually got to, got to die. Somebody has got to self-sacrifice and do something you know, for somebody else. Jesus, talking in Matthew 25, he said, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. You know the story. You know what Jesus was talking about, right? And they said, you know, the righteous would answer and say, Lord, when did we, when did we do any of those things to you? And what was his answer? He said, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. So there is a sense in in when we are self-sacrificing, doing something for someone else, we're actually doing it for Jesus too. That's kind of radical, isn't it? It's very radical. Jesus, look at verse 19, he says this, this then, what? Actually loving with words, not with words or tongue, but with actions and the truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows Everything. So this is kind of the proof. And Jesus said it, you know, they'll know you're Christians by what? If you have love one for another, they'll know that you're Christians. He says it here. uh, John says the same exact thing. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth. By loving with actions and in truth. So... God gives us his Holy Spirit. He pours out his Holy Spirit. Pours out this love, the love of God into our hearts. But even with that, are we always going to get it right? No. But we can't stop trying, right? Crying, yeah. Can't stop trying. We're not going to always get it right, but, you know, we have to try. And that's, that, that reminds me of Patrick's uh, message. You know, the title, he says, love is a choice. Am I going to love? Am I going to think about someone else? Am I going to do something for someone else or just for me? Notice, it kind of ties, why do I bring that up here in these verses? The, the last part of verse 19, setting our hearts at rest. In verse 20, he talks about our hearts condemning us. You know, if we're honest and we think about it, you know, we we fail miserably. Why? Because the standard is pretty high, wouldn't you say? The standard is Jesus Christ laying down his life, actually dying physically, willingly for the sins of the whole world. So the the standard is like wicked high. That's not a good word, is it? The standard is incredibly high. And so we feel it. We feel our failure. I, I, you know, I didn't love my wife the way I should have. I didn't take care of my, my brother or my sister. I didn't call. I didn't, I didn't even reach out. 
I didn't pray for them when I said I was going to. You know, we feel that. We, and, and I think what he's talking about here is this condemnation where we, we sense this condemnation in our own hearts. Whenever our hearts condemn us, what does he say there, though? For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. You know, we kind of have to remind ourselves that, that God takes everything into account and He knows us. He knows kind of how weak we are, you know, knows kind of, how, you know, what we're made of. The psalm says we're just dust. But He's greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Uh, Spurgeon said, you know, our hearts condemn us and so what we need to do is take the case to a higher court. And that's what we need to do. We need to bring our hearts to God. You know, He knows everything about us, Psalm 139. He knows us. Hebrews said, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. John 2 said, you know, Jesus didn't need man's testimony about man for he knew what was in a man. He knows you. He knows me perfectly, completely, totally. And John Corson said, the Lord knows my ups and downs, my failings vulnerabilities and shortcomings. He knows all about me, and he knows all about you, too. But does that change the fact that he wants us to love? No, he knows, but, you know, we, we've got this battle that's taking place, and, and there's this condemnation, you know, that we, you know, well, I, I failed, and so, you know, I'm going to just quit. I'm going to give up. And that sounds like the accuser of the brethren to me, because the scripture says this, there, therefore there is now what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's not condemning us. The truth is, is that he wants to help us. And he will help us. If we're pay, willing to pay attention, if we're willing to open our eyes, if we're willing to listen and, 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 and ask God for his Holy Spirit's power to do what he's calling us to do, So, back to the beginning again, this idea of true love. I read this. It said, those who have genuine love, instead of taking the lives of others, would rather sacrifice their own. Self-sacrifice, even in the everyday things of life, is a chief, a chief characteristic of love. Love is proved by actions, not words, as Jesus showed Christians must follow his example. And that's, that's for you and for me. That's what he's called us to do here. And that's what, that's what God is calling us to do. Lay down our lives. Someone has to die. Jesus died and gave us that example. This is how we know what love is, what true love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Let's pray together, shall we? We need, we need to pray and ask God to help us. Dear Father in heaven, we, we come before you and, and your word is challenging, it's convicting, it's, but it's also living and active and it, it, it's powerful and it's the truth and, and, and sometimes the, the, our very own hearts are not telling us the truth and pouring out condemnation. Well, you, you failed, so don't even bother. And yet you're encouraging by your spirit to love one another. 
and lay down our lives for, for one another. In the little things, not just the big things, in, in, in all things. But Lord, we confess our selfishness and our self-centeredness. Help us to love like you did. I don't know what else we can pray is just to help us to love like you did. That we would be more like you. Jesus, we thank you as well for that great sacrifice that you gave your life so that we might live, that we might have eternal life, that you have uh, prepared a place for us in heaven. Uh, because of the cross and the resurrection, we can go there. That this is not all there is. This life, this world, this planet is not all there is. My own stuff, my own thoughts it's not this is not all there is there's a, a way way bigger plan i pray for any that that maybe have never surrendered to that plan that life surrender to jesus if we if we believe in him if we receive him it says we uh, have have been given the right to become children of god Maybe you need to do that. Surrender your life and just receive Jesus. And say a simple prayer like this. Say, Jesus, I, I am lost. I am selfish and proud. and I need help. And so I ask you to come in to my heart, to my life. Change me. Save me. Rescue me. In Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, let's all sing together and or stand together and sing, build my life. <laughs>